Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hi there, it's Lucinda Carney from the HR Uprising podcast, and I figured that this particular episode, it's the first time we've done one like this, so it definitely needs a little bit of an introduction. One of the best things about doing the HR Uprising is that I do get to meet people that I haven't met before, I get to have conversations about topics that I think are interesting, so I hope you find them interesting, and I was grateful to meet through social media a lady called Julie Turney. Now Julie is, she's, she talks about herself as being her your HR for HR coach but she also is a podcast, uh, a podcast host and she's based out in Barbados and she is so full of energy and enthusiasm that we decided that it would be great fun to do a joint podcast episode So you can have a listen in, see what you think. Hopefully we do have some relevant points that you get value out of. Uh, There will be areas where you're going, hang on, who's who's the host? Who's the conversationist? It's interesting having two hosts together, but it's definitely a bit of fun. And why not check out Jules's, uh, her her podcast as well, because uh, there's, there's always room for more top quality podcasts out there. So uh, look out for Jules or Jewel Turney and she has the HR Sound Off podcast show and this is a shared episode. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show slash the HR Uprising podcast. Oh did you get that everyone? So If you're listening to the HR Uprising podcast and you hear this voice, you know it's not Lucinda. (laughs) And if you're if you're hearing um, over there, you'll actually know that this is not Julie. This is Lucinda. So we're we're doing a joint. We're having a go at a, a joint podcast here in terms of exploring new ways of working together, Julie. That's right. And it just goes to show that with technology and through COVID, that we're finding ways to collaborate on a global scale that just makes things so much easier for us to access community in the HR space, right, Lucinda? Yeah, and, and it's great when we were just comparing notes earlier about how our audiences are really global, although, I mean, predominantly HR uprising listeners tend to be, I'd say, 80% UK, maybe 20% overseas. Um, yours are the other way around. And so hopefully together we're reaching a, a wider audience Um, And you can open up that collaboration on a broader scale, full stop. Absolutely. So I guess we should start by telling everyone a little bit about ourselves. So how about you go first? 
Okay. Um, so my name is Lucinda Carney. I've spent probably 25 years in uh, people professional roles internally, and then a further 10 years in, God, that makes me sound old, doesn't it? Further 10 years um, working for myself with a business called Actus software and we're really about building a, a better workplace for people which I know that's where we have a synergy together Julie yes. um, I've got a real uh, a real passion about trying to make sure that there's better people management activities going on within the organization and I think that's been something that has really been brought to light during COVID mm-hmm. um, my background was as a trainer and I've ended up going back to that over the last couple of years the beauty yeah. of technology yeah. like this has allowed you to do much more training and consultancy yeah. obviously you've had the podcast it's about getting great information out to people um, and giving people the skills and knowledge to operate in this strange new world that mm-hmm. we work in mm-hmm. how about yourself Julie? Absolutely. So I've been in the people experience space for the last 16 years. I've worked in corporate for about 15 of those years. And I went solo last year. I started my company, HR at Heart Consulting, as a result of, you know, my experience with HR burnout and just recognizing in the process of healing that I wasn't alone and that I wanted to do something to support my fellow HR community. And so now I spend most of my days coaching and supporting HR professionals who have lost their HR mojo, feeling frustrated in their roles and helping them to get um, more understanding and more clarity on their careers and how to move forward in a positive way, um, which led me to write my book, Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph, um, where I share stories of HR professionals and our experiences of defeat and triumph in our roles of, as HR practitioners. And I also started hosting my podcast show, HR Sound Off, uh, going three years this year. Uh, where I just have conversations with amazing HR professionals to learn a little bit more about them and what they do and why they're here, why they're still here, and what we can do to just change the way we practice HR to make the workplace a better place to be. That's a coincidence because actually HR Uprising will be three years in May. So uh, it sounds like we've been on this journey similarly. And I wrote a book, came out uh, a couple of years ago, but my subject was all about change mm-hmm. so again I guess what we're doing within within HR professionals we're often dealing with the fallout of change sometimes we're the custodians of change so my book was how to be a change superhero because actually well let's face it it's not just about change HR through HR people really have have to be superheroes we have to have mm-hmm. so many hats um, have to flex when you, I, I think the last couple of years has really brought that to light when you think about um you know something would change everyone's had everyone sent home from work yeah. and all of a sudden everyone looks to HR to know what to do what to do um, mm-hmm. to deal with that change to come up with the answers and the resilience yes. that people have needed and hence your point though about burnout and actually um I wouldn't mind asking you a question one of the things that I noticed I did a few episodes on the podcast about you know looking after yourself the whole yeah. kind of concept yeah. of putting your own oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. and the really interesting observation that I noticed when I looked at downloads yeah. is that HR were really poor at looking yes. up themselves or certainly learning about that it's terrible so <laughs> what is it what's your view and how do you yeah. encourage them to do that self-care H, you're so right. We as HR, we, you know, we're really absolutely terrible about taking care of ourselves. And I think um, to your point, I've come to that same realization as I engage HR professionals through my coaching practice. And I think it comes down to a, a couple of things. There's pride and ego 
getting those things in the way because we are the people responsible for taking care of the people. So, you know, why would we want to or put ourselves in a space where we want to admit that we're not okay and that we do need help and we do need support? Um, then I think there's that lack of understanding of where they can go to get that support. So we create all these EAP programs, but then we don't participate in them. I've asked, I've done surveys, the numbers show HR professionals create the programs, but then they don't participate in them. So simple things like, go, uh, you know, engaging in therapy and those kind of things, HR professionals don't do those things um, on a grand scale, only a few of them do it. And then I would say peer pressure is the other thing, you know, I see all my other HR peers out here doing great, looking like they've got it all together. You know, how are they going to perceive me if I admit that I am not okay and that I don't have it all together? And so between those three things, I think is a mixture of why we see a lot of HR professionals not getting the help that they need or the support that they need. When I am having those conversations with, with my clients or potential clients about self-care, I always ask every single time, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you taking, you know, getting outside, getting fresh air, exercising? Are you doing those things? The answer most of the time is either no to all three or no to at least two out of three that they're not doing those things. And those are the simple things. That's, that basics. We, that's yeah. the basics, you know, do you, yeah. even if you're working at home or you're working in the office, do you take lunch away from your desk? So just get up from your desk or do you bring your food back to your desk and eat and continue to work? Bad habit, you need to break that. You know, are you getting outside and just taking a little fresh air, taking an opportunity to kiss the sun or kiss the sky and just be like grateful for life? No, we're not doing that. Simple things like how do you, get get your frustrations out do you journal do you record yourself like make voice notes of things that are happening in your life that you're frustrated with do you have someone an ally who you trust that you can share information with and if not then why not consider therapy or a coach right and a lot of times after asking those questions and watching people squirm in their seats a little bit because they're like, why are you trying to get so deep in my business? But I'm, I can't help you. The only way to get through is to go through. Mm -hmm. I can't help you if you're not willing to go through. So you have to get uncomfortable first, but yeah, just those three simple things, right? Eat well, sleep well, get a little exercise. I start and I, there and then I progress. And, and those things are in our control. Yet yeah. we often won't do them. I, and I mean, I, I reflect uh, maybe a little bit contentious, but I wonder whether some of it is, I would imagine the majority or the, the majority are female, right? We, we, that's yeah. the reality. A lot of people are female, yes. which probably also have other hats on. So mm -hmm. they may have kids and, and there's a whole piece there where there's a job and almost naturally putting ourselves second. Yet that whole adage about putting your own oxygen mask on that's first almost is even more important because... Yes so many more people depending on you if you do burn out exactly. um, so how can you create that space and time to prioritize it um, yeah. for yourself it's I mean asking if you do that do you do it Julie how do you manage to fit those things into your life are you how do you mm -hmm. make it a priority I make it a so what I've had to do just to get into the habit of it is I create calendar events so I have pop-ups that come up on my calendar for simple things like time to drink water, 
time to, you know, get up and move from your, your desk, you know, time to eat. I have those things. Yep. I have those things in, in, in my calendar. Um, I always keep a water bottle on my desk right now. It needs refilling because it's, it's been a while um, since I drank water this morning. Uh, and then I just, when I see that thing that says get up and move, I get up from my desk. I actually am in the process of transitioning my desk because I want to get one of those ones that I can lift it oh, up yeah. and stand up and work. So um, I, I haven't done that yet. So I want to do that. But right now I I just get up or I take my laptop and I move to the kitchen counter and I work out in the kitchen space for a while. Um, I try to get out and, you know, take a, a brief walk or at least I have 30 um, something steps to my house. So I try to, even if I just go up and down the steps a couple of times, I try to do that at least twice or three times a day. So different things like that. And then when I have downtime, I actually have downtime. So when I I, I work a four day week and I strive really hard to make sure that when I cut off on Thursday, I, ne I don't come back in this office again until Sunday evening or, or Monday morning. Um, yeah. so I really am very conscious of boundaries. Yeah. Not working on Fridays. I let my clients know I don't work on Fridays. I, you know, so if you want something done on a Friday, chances are it's not going to happen. So if you don't get it to me by Wednesday and to get it action on Thursday, you know, it's not going to happen before the following week. And I'm very focused and very adamant about my boundaries, right? Because people mm -hmm. only do what you allow them to do. And the minute that you give people a little wiggle room that they feel like it's a blanket invitation to abuse it all yeah. the time. That's just the way people are, right? Yeah, it's realizing it is, we're worth it enough to do it. But it is also about thinking about the consequences if we don't I mean mm -hmm. I I kind of put routines in and the whole working from home thing probably triggered this and I think yeah. sort of mental health dropping at various things but the beauty for me was I wasn't going into London let's say three times a week so I wasn't having that commute right. all of a sudden you've got three hours back yeah. in the day why not take some of that for you then it's about knowing your personality now I know that my personality is and, and I when I'm in hot times of high stress I might wake up early and I sit at my desk and I find that actually it was nine o'clock in the morning. I sat at my desk for four hours and, you know, and yeah, I might have got some stuff done, but I was not feeling great. Yeah. I feel like it's lunchtime at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Whereas what I've started doing now, I, I have, we have a dog um, and I get up and the first thing I do, I very rarely ever sit at my desk now. I go out and depending on the light, I walk the dog if it's light enough first. So I get some steps going yeah. um, and then come back and I've signed up to it, like an exercise class that you can do just with some weights and things. Right. So I'll do 20, 25 minutes, some sort of weights, not every single day, but most days I try and do it. I sit sort of three, three, four days a three week. Three days a week, I do yeah. a bit of weight bearing stuff and a bit of outside. And the walking the dog outside, I feel, is... Um, so important for my mental health, I yes. realise now. There's something about the fresh air, you know, almost the colder, almost the worse the weather in some ways, it's it's better. But you yeah. still, if I then sit, come back in, have some breakfast, sit down at my desk at 8, 8.30, I feel so much better yes. about myself and and because I've got it out of the way. And I and you know that the concept, eat that frog, get the hard things done first. Exactly. I know that as the day goes on, the likelihood of me doing exercise is getting less and less it's and getting less. less. It's four o'clock in the afternoon now. I can assure you it's unlikely to, to happen for me. Yeah. The only other thing that I do do, the only exercise that gets me out in the evening, and again, this is my personality. I know some people are better uh, at times, is 
I play a team sport, so I play netball, and obviously we couldn't do it during COVID, right? Because that's a team thing, right? That will get me there because of the social aspect. Yeah. So I found those things uh, that I'm finding something that I really enjoy as a team enjoy. sport, but then just creating the habit of doing something first thing yeah. in the morning where I haven't even got time to think about it, make sure my trainers are ready, everything's ready to go. I get time to talk myself out of it, and that's um, that's worked for me in terms of yeah. managing well-being. That's great. I love to swim. So like I go to the sea, um, I'll go to the sea, swim in the morning. I love early in the morning. There's Let me just mention to the HR Uprising li- listeners that Julie's talking to us from Barbados. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Not quite the same as swimming in the North Sea or off from no, Brighton Beach. I'm swimming in the Caribbean Sea. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I can see how that's tempting. <laughs> you know, what I, love, what I love about going to the beach early in the morning is it's the time that most of our older generation go to the the sea as well and I just love having conversations with the older folks when you see them go in you watch them they have this stuck they're stuck to this routine every morning they go in the ocean it helps them with their arthritis or you know just socialization yeah. and um they're usually just a small set of old people on the beach but just you know going listening to them talk being engaging in the conversations having a good swim out swimming back in listening to the sea, you know, watching it come up on the sand um, and then just, you know, bathing in the sun for a little bit. It's fun, right? So I don't take that for granted. I don't take it for I don't know how good that, how conducive that to work would be though. I mean, how do you want to get You'd you be surprised. I think, here's a funny thing, Lucinda. It's like for people who live in the Caribbean, it's something that we take for granted. Like sometimes when you talk to Caribbean people in general and you ask them, oh, when was the last time you went to the sea? You know, oh, I haven't been in months. Oh, you know, I haven't been in a year. And you think to yourself, how could you not? You live on such a beautiful island. You should be in the sea every day. But I'm telling you, we we don't do it. Sometimes months go by, weeks, weeks, months, years go by and we don't get it done. But yeah, that's a a good point, isn't it? But that's the whole thing about us taking things for granted that we have. And that is a bit, you could reapply that to our point earlier, though, about, um, you know, whether it's a lovely environment that we have and we don't get out and walk in it or whether it's the fact that, you know, we um, we, we can exercise or we've got that time to do do a well. We have health. Yeah. Right. But we then don't eat well and to sustain exactly. it or drink enough water. Um, exactly. Quite a good point in terms of human nature. We take for granted what we've got and you don't miss it until until it's gone. Until, until it's, it's gone. Later. Absolutely. And I also wanted to go back to your point about, you know, all the different functions that HR performs, because gone are the days when we were just the function that did the hiring and the firing. Now we're the function that does everything that relates to, you know, people experience, learning and development, talent management, um, recruitment and selection, and the list goes on. And I was reading a report that came out recently, I think it was by McKinsey, and they were talking about some of the positions that currently exist right now for HR. And there were two of them that really fascinated me in terms of like director of remote work. Would you have ever thought that we needed a director of remote work, someone to actually manage our staff who are um, working remotely in that hybrid space and then I also saw the um a position that they had which had me for a second which was the chief worry officer and as they talked about the chief worry officer they categorized this person as the person who is managing the pandemic from vaccinations to 
protocols for work, but they called that person the chief worry officer. I don't think the title of itself does not sit well with me, but it is truthfully what we're going through as HR as we sit and either listen to our governments dictate what is going to be the protocol for our countries. And therefore, if legislation changes, policies have to change in the workplace. And we are taking on the worries, not only of ourselves, but our employees in terms of if people are anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, and how the people who are complying and who are being uh, wearing masks, being vaccinated, and how they're feeling about the people that just don't care. Like, we really are worry officers. And then I also read another article where... I can't remember where I read it, but I just remember they called us the invisible first responders of the organization. And that really sums it up for me. Because if you think about first responders, you know, if your house is on fire and you don't have access to the fire service, you know there's no coming back for your home. If you have an emergency at your home that is critical, that could cost you your life, and you didn't have access to the ambulance service, then you know the chances of you dying are greater. Or if you had the ability to get yourself to the hospital, but then there was no access to doctors or nurses, the chances of you dying are are just as high, right? But yet still we take for granted that when we have crisis in our organizations and we tap into HR and we think about, and we say things like, you know, what is the purpose of HR? Or, you know, HR is just there for the fun stuff. Or, you know, HR isn't strategic. Well, the invisible thing is about being valued. Exactly. No value. Yeah. I mean, that's there's loads of points there that you could pick up. So your point about um, the chief worry officer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see that there's a role to play, but I don't particularly like the term. I think it's quite... If you think about if you're doing a job advert, you want to attract the right people. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'd, I'd argue that you want somebody who's attracted to that job, you want someone who's a problem solver. Exactly. So whether it's challenge or chief mm-hmm. solutions officer mm-hmm. um, would feel much more of a comfortable um, remit to me rather than chief worry officer. Exactly. Because um, you want to attract people that are going to create solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about the invisible, well, I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So do you think that we have a part to play a bit, a, a bit like we have to value ourselves as human beings, as individuals, mm-hmm. enough to look after our, our health and well-being so yeah. that we can deliver for everybody. Mm-hmm. But equally, we deserve to be valued for the contribution that we're making. It, well, I mean, well, while it's laudable to be contributing, we're not looking for the, um, you know, for the, rec- for the plaudits of contributing. Right. It shouldn't be invisible because the problem is it doesn't get valued. And then if it's not valued, I think that has a knock on. It's not just about HR professionals. It has a knock on to the way we value people. Yeah. And that is when I think about a whole sort of you know, building a better workplace for people. Half the problem is the fact that people management activities, anything to do with humans, yeah. it's it often gets um, just just deflected is it it gets deprioritized Mm -hmm. um in relation to the task Uh, one of the observations that i noted during the pandemic was that suddenly it did become okay to prioritize people's well-being first Mm -hmm. for people to be are you okay to be let into people's personal lives to know about their family and their environment and things Mm -hmm. and and suddenly seeing us as whole human beings which of course we are yeah um 
And my concern, I think it would be a tremendous shame. I just I did a, a webinar last week where I think managers now need to be, say pre-pandemic, it was okay to be pretty much purely transactional task focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly in that environment, HR would not be seen as a valuable aspect. Right. During the pandemic, it was appropriate to be more people focused and HR doing lots of support there, whether or not they were valued for it as another matter, they might still have been the invisible emergency service. Yeah. Um, But now I really feel we need to be able to, well, certainly I think the successful organisations and given that there is a, a, you know, a talent shortage, people are voting with their feet, the changing roles, the successful organisations are going to be the ones that balance. They don't just swiftly rebound and say, it's all about task. It's all about transaction. Just deliver, deliver, deliver. It's the ones that value both aspects um, of a people management role. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that as HR, we need to be the drivers of let's not slip back into our old ways, but let's keep progressing forward. And when we see, you know, leaders trying to slip back them that we call them out courageously, we call them out and say, hey, look, yeah, we can't let this happen. We can't revert back to what isn't working. I think that a lot of um if we've going to learn anything from what we've experienced in terms of the great resignation and so on and the great reshuffling and all of those things, then it would be people are at the forefront of this, right? And we now have choice. I think employees are recognizing we have choice and HR in that mix is recognizing that they also have choice. And I think a lot of organizations now, if you look on the remote, like remote.co, remote.io, you'll see a lot of the remote jobs now are HR jobs because people are recognizing that HR can be done remotely. Um, It's about caring for the people, putting the right products and services in place with the right strategies, but it's not something that we can't do remotely. Um, And we're finding ways to make that happen. And I think that if people or organizations take that into consideration they'll realize i need to value my hr team now and have a greater understanding of what it takes for them to really function effectively and efficiently so that they can grow and thrive and be safe in doing that that's going to include supporting my employees in the rest of the organization the greater organization um, everyone now having being fully engaged and having a greater return on investment when we do that uh, allowing us to contribute yeah in, in terms of um a question and maybe change the subject slightly but it's all mm-hmm. linked to it one of the i recently ran a, an hr challenges for 2022 survey just to find out what people saw coming through as the challenges. And I do feel that that they have evolved over the pandemic and where we're going now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to see whether or not, you know, the temperature check for the time for challenges that people um, are, you know, com- are coming up for people in, in your area. The sort of things that started to um, come through, it was it's, it's almost like it's gone full circle now. Mm-hmm. Whereas employee engagement didn't seem to be very important during the pandemic. Employee engagement appears to have re-emerged as a topic yeah. but it's not in the same way as it was before as in um, employee engagement prior um, was more about getting people to perform to deliver their best whereas I see it now as more linked to belonging mm-hmm. and um, and about retention so yeah. people feeling part of something people have become isolated so that was quite a key area and obviously recruitment and retention 
um, is, is a hot topic that I'm seeing coming through and still management skills. Yeah. Again, this always seems to be one because we've never ever, well, again, we've talked about this. We don't prioritize people management. It's not modeled. We don't develop our people managers, etc. Mm-hmm. I just wondered what sort of challenges are you coming across when you're talking to your clients or in the areas that you support? Is it similar or different? Yeah, no, it's very similar, but I would also add two more in terms of like technology and being able to embrace technology, being more agile um, in the way that we put products and services together um, as an HR function. I find that um, it's baffling to me that there are still so many organizations out there that don't have an HRIS system that are still working from Excel um, or Google Sheets. I'm, yeah. I'm horrified, absolutely horrified by that when there are so many other great options out there. Um, because what do you think about if you went, if you were in you're in sales if you're in any other department in an organization there's absolutely no way that they mm-hmm. would be operating for it I think that's just None. a case in point of HR being poor relation it's, and then trying to create a business case for people to pay for that kind of yeah, software shouldn't have and, and that that actually is and that is a classic example of how then we end up because being administrators, so mm-hmm. you can't add value if you haven't got the systems. If you're you so busy just inputting content, you can't pull any data, you can't add value, you can't be strategic. Yep. It's chicken and egg. You can't. Um, you, you are so right. So like that technology piece I, is is something that I see a little bit more of. And then well-being, um, obviously, like how do we, as we look at engagement and retention, um, we can't not focus on well-being. So how do we have the right products and services in place to support our employees from a well-being perspective? And are we considering everything in a more well-rounded way as it relates to well-being? Now, a lot of times we focus on mental health, um, but do we focus on financial well-being? Because a lot of people are struggling financially. And so do we take into consideration helping our employees or supporting our employees where educating them on financial well-being is is taken into consideration. I feel like that's um, one of the spaces that one of the loopholes that we're actually missing. And then I would also add from a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective, um, and I, I think looking at the lens of understanding neurodiversity Um, And also from the lens of of understanding, you know, the kind of people that we have in our organization and what really makes people tick, what motivates people. So coming from a neuroscience perspective is something new that we're going to have to really take into consideration when it comes to how do we really support people if we don't know our people. Mm. And that goes back to understanding people as an individual. Individual. Um, and and again managers being able to adapt their style to get the best out of them and it means that organizations have to continue to allow not a one-size-fits-all which it does mean that um from an hr point of view when you come down to managing performance and things like that it's really tricky because it's the whole pandemic and working in different ways and things like that has introduced shades of gray yeah so how are you fair and apply policies fairly so it's way more complex isn't it, it definitely uh, I mean is. I agree it's the right way to go it's way more complex definitely the um ADI is, is quite a hot topic um over here again some of it's to do with the 
inclusion aspects yes and yeah the uh and and i and i think it's about people feeling again this point of engagement and belonging mm-hmm. so if you join an organization never see anybody you know it's actually mm-hmm. feeling that that you fit um exactly. as well and, and a part of something so yes. building you know inclusive teams psychological mm-hmm. safety um in terms of that that's quite a hot topic that's coming through too isn't it it's, so it's nice that it is good in, in many ways it's quite exciting that those are topics that HR want to drive forward and that organisations have appetite for. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hope that they can, they don't get paid lip service. I think that's the thing. We can do something exactly. real with them um, and it's, really make a difference with them. Exactly. This is such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Lucinda, for um, collaborating with me today. I want to ask you two more questions that just relate to um, how i like to wrap up the HR sound off piece, and then I'll let you do the same thing for HR uprising. Um, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy? Oh, okay. And it doesn't have to be HR related. <laughs> um, okay. So the two things that I'll do that, that aren't junk telly, that aren't, aren't, aren't Netflix, um, they, they, one is I've revisited, this is a bit of an, oh, but it's relevant to what we've talked about. I've re- uh-huh. revisited um, a book I used to deliver training on, which is the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh-huh. It's the best-selling business book by Stephen Covey. Yep. And it's so, it's still so relevant. And it, it struck me when you were talking about the um, well-being. Whenever I do webinars on the well-being thing, I think of his four quadrants of renewal. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about mental renewal, uh, physical renewal, spiritual renewal, um, and you know, so fit and physical basically so so physical might be going for a walk but spiritual doesn't have to be some people are religious some people aren't it could right. be about meditation yep or mindfulness yeah. yeah your point on the beach about going an emotional which it's like socializing making contact and it's actually that moment having a bit of a problem yeah um a bit of that lack of inclusion or that lack of belonging mm-hmm. some of the social bits missing so people are almost not feeling like they're back into an office yeah. and mental is learning yeah. and that leads me into something that I decided to do for myself last um September I took up um a a hypno CBT diploma so I'm learning um about that I did a psychology degree about back but it's it just I decided I was a bit bored to be honest and I just needed to learn something yeah and 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 I, I'm not going to necessarily be a I don't think I've got time I've got too many other things to, to to practice this but I'm really enjoying learning something um and it's a great reminder and the interesting thing about this hypno CBT it looks at loss about anxiety and there's loads of anxiety out there and how it's about um you know the way we think influences the way we feel and the way we feel influences the way that we think and all of those triggers and how can you choose positive thoughts etc etc right so I suppose I say I'm not saying everyone's going to go and want to do that course but find something new to learn exactly. um I think and actually I like one more as a third one as a learning thing that I, I did at six at the start of lockdown and I set signed up to one of these apps uh-huh. um, for piano um so I used to play piano as a child I'm not particularly good but I signed up this particular app and there's lots of them out there so I won't advertise it but it's been quite nice to learn to play and it's gamified piano playing which oh, has right. taken me forwards way more than I would have ever done as a child mm-hmm. um so it's it's been uh, quite a it's just been good to be able to go and play play tunes that I like you know or, or songs that you know as opposed yeah. to just classical stuff mm-hmm. and um, feel the feel that you're actually playing something that people could recognize right. so I'm just thinking you know this whole sharpen the saw, which is you know the renewal habit that of Covey, actually walking the talk, making myself do that. Um, a couple of those examples. I don't always do it. 
and I do watch lots of rubbish as well sometimes but I go through mm-hmm. phases it's okay but, um that's what I that's what I've been doing nice nice my last question that the, that's, obviously there was another question yeah that's <laughs> fine yeah um so my last question yes would be um what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here right now that we're not strategic it's absolute crap mm-hmm. um and and I and that is it's the word strategic I think is sometimes uh, it's almost like people are scared of it they think that it's something mysterious and it just isn't it's common oh. sense yeah but all we have to do is we have to understand what the business is trying to achieve mm-hmm. and some of the time some businesses don't know what they're trying to achieve exactly. so I suppose you could argue that we need to um uh, we need to support the business and help the business to do that so mm-hmm. I think we are able to be strategic it is common sense we shouldn't be scared of it no. um, and we have to have more self-confidence mm-hmm. to challenge the business and believe that we can add value and and help the business do that absolutely so, um, that would be my bugbear nice thank you so much well those are my questions for you those are your (laughs) questions okay so my question to you is what are you what are you going to do in 2022 to make a difference for you what what are your goals for 2022 good question um i've been i'd rather let you think just let you know so two things so (laughs) so two things i don't do right i don't make new year's resolutions and i don't necessarily set goals right what i i focus on a word for the year so every year i kind of think of like where do i want to be um what do i want to do and what is my word for the year so last year my word for the year was collaboration and my word for the year this year is follow through um i've had the great experience of like working with amazing HR professionals all over the world. But I, one of the things that I am great at starting stuff, and maybe that's because I have ADHD. Sometimes I have a problem. I struggle with follow through. Um, so like if I have a great idea, but the, my brain triggers me on like the pain and the angst of how it's going to, how I'm going to get there. Um, sometimes I may struggle with follow through. So follow through has been my word for 2022. And one of the things that I was struggling to start was um, group coaching. So for the most part, when I started my practice, it was mainly around individual coaching, which is great. But if you are an HR department of one, you need that additional support. And if you're struggling with creating your own community, it would be helpful that you're working with a coach who has the ability to help you create community. And so this year I launched my first group coaching program um, to kind of support those HR department of one, HR people who are struggling to create their own community. And I'm so glad that I've done that. And what, um, so follow through for me has been set the dates, get people registered and put the program together. That's been follow through for me on one thing. The other thing is I want to be more vocal on advocating for self-care in HR and letting people know that HR professionals are not okay. And this is the, these are the things that we're struggling with. Organizations need to be more aware of it and you need to reach out to your HR teams and give them the support that they need. And so this year, I'm going to be giving my first ever TED talk um, on on this very subject. And I'm hoping that it starts a movement of HR professionals starting to take seriously, taking care of themselves and being okay with voicing it, but also with leaders 
recognizing the importance of checking in on their HR teams and giving them the support that they need um, to move things forward. So when we talked, when you talked about HR not being strategic, one of the things that comes to my mind for me is a lot of HR people can't be strategic if they're not properly ratioed in an organization. So if you have yeah. one HR person to 600, 500, 400, 300 people. And they're um, managing things on spreadsheets. Exactly. And managing spreadsheets, they cannot be strategic, as we said before. And you're, you're really, you're really, I'm sorry, you're really not helping them and your expectations are too high. But HR doesn't know how to voice that. And so when we're not voicing it, then we're internalizing it. It's messing with our mental health. That's not on. So I want to be able to, you know, bring these things to the TED stage and help leaders and HR professionals so that we can strike that balance, bring some data to the fore based on some surveys that I've been doing across LinkedIn and other spaces on what is the real situation with HR right now, which is that we are not okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's where I'm heading for 2022. <laughs> good for you, long overdue there. So um, you might have kind of, my follow-up question was going to be, you might, I might know the answer unless you're going to come up with something fresh. I was going to say, you came up, what was your kind of goal for you? Or you said you had your word of the year for you. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, what would you say the word of the year should be for HR professionals listening to this? Well, you can't say self-care. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word of the year for HR professionals should be agility. H I think a lot of times as HR professionals, um, we're so stuck in that space of we've got to get stuff done, yes, but how do we move things forward? And a lot of times we're not moving things at the progress or the rate that we should be because we're not willing to be a little bit more agile and being open to change and embracing the ability to pivot and do things differently. And so for those of us who are kind of like stuck in that space, which I think is a lot of us, um, that word needs to be agility. HR needs to be more agile. Oh, that's, that's a great ending. So I guess for my audience, I'd just like to say thank you to people who can look you up. Julie Turney, I'm going to put your connection in the uh, show notes, host of the HR Sound Off podcast. So if you like a, a podcast, there's loads of back catalogue if they don't know about you because you've been going pretty much as long as we have. Uh -huh. um, or longer. I'm not sure we'd work the start date out. <laughs> um, but it's been absolutely fabulous um, collaborating with you today, Julie. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you, Lucinda, for having me on your show as well. And I will share all of your resources that you've shared with us today and all the inf your links on my show notes as well. So thank you so much. And I wish you and HR Uprising all the best as you continue to develop your show. Thank you so much. And absolutely the same to you and your podcast listeners. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising? 
to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. <laughs>